This is episode 64 of Parenting 2.0, The Focused Mindset, and we're in the middle of a series that's celebrating fatherhood. We're listening to the way that they think and how they love their kids, and today you're listening in on a conversation that I had with Jose Rilone. You might know him from his funny and witty little videos that he puts out on TikTok and on Instagram. He's under the tag NYC Gay Dad. He's a single father. But in our conversation, he gets real with how he approaches parenthood and how his father approached parenthood with him. You know, Jose is right now on the cover of Parents Latina Magazine. Quite an honor. And I am looking forward to you hearing everything that he has to share with us today about how he approaches his single fatherhood life. But first, thank you for joining us today. I'm glad to have you. Don't forget to hit download or subscribe so you don't miss any of the future family-oriented content that we have here. And if you know someone who might love this information, maybe a father that you know or even a mother that needs to know how these guys tick, share this episode. I give you full permission to share it with whoever you'd like on any social media that you would like to. And I just completed my monthly message for you guys. Every single month, I write a message personally to you guys about what's going on in my life, some extra special little um, freebies that I send out. And those of you that are a part of the Focused Mindset community, if you haven't already, check your inbox. And I want to invite each and every one of you to become a part of the Focused Mindset community. You do that by going to my website, thefocusedmindset.com, and join the community. It's there that you can also learn about conversations that empower my course that helps parents and families grow their communication skills so they can have tough conversations and also have more peace in their home. And you can also learn about the Big Life Journal products. I'd really love for you guys to take advantage of the Big Life Journal products this month because when you make a purchase this month, you will get a free positivity and connection kit for your family. This is such a wonderful resource full of family ritual ideas and fun games that you can do all summer long. So hop over to my website. When you use the link that's on my website or in the show notes, you're also supporting the focused mindset and it's at no extra cost to you. If you want wonderful rewarding products for your kids that will teach them resilience and self-esteem and confidence, you want to get products from the Big Life Journal. So check it out on my website, thefocusedmindset.com, or click the helpful link in the show notes. You've been upgraded to Parenting 2.0. New expectations requires a new mindset. The Focused Mindset. I'm Cher Kretz. I'm a school counselor and a family mindset coach. Raising kids is an amazing journey and things don't always turn out as planned. Still, you get to share your life with an adult in training. This podcast will help you meet every new challenge with confidence and be the best version of yourself in your home and with the people you love.
Hello, welcome to the podcast. Today we have a special guest. We have Jose Rolone. You guys may know him from his incredible TikToks with his kids at NYC Gay Dads. He has the funniest TikToks. I am cracking up whenever I watch his TikToks, but we're going to find out a little bit different side of Jose today. And I'm so glad that you could be here as a Jose. Thank you. How's it going? I'm so happy to be here. Thanks. We, we, we made this happen, which I'm I know. really excited it's, about. It's been a little bit of a, a struggle, but we're here. We're here now. We are here. <laughs> and as I've already told you, I am celebrating fathers in June. It's a June celebration. Forget one day of Father's Day. We're taking the whole month over. And your commitment to your parenting and your love for your kids is something that I've, I just truly admire. And so uh, in all the time that I've known you, I, I didn't really think that maybe you'd be on my podcast, but at some point I was like, you know what? I got to have you on. If I'm celebrating dads, how can I not have you on? So you do have a lot of layers to you and a lot of different uh, <laughs> parts of you that have nothing to do with your little, your humorous TikToks, but tell us about how these TikToks came about and with your Instagram, how did this even develop? Yeah, you know, it's so crazy. You know, um, you know, I'm a, I know we'll get into it a little bit later, but I'm a single father of three kids. And so, you know, I think like many of us uh, listening, when the pandemic hit, uh, we were hit with triple duty, right? We had to parent, we had to now homeschool. And for many of us, we had to have our businesses survive. And so for me, you know, as someone who is creative, I'm a wedding planner. Um, and, you know, business wasn't happening the way it normally would happen. Uh, but I needed a way to break up the madness, the craziness of, of doing all of those things, because if not, I think I would have just gone mad. So we decided to uh, do these TikTok videos and they ended up going viral. And um, it's been such a wild journey. I mean, we've had some blessings come out of it. I mean, we've been really fortunate to be featured on uh, the Today Show. Uh, they're actually coming back on, you know, they're coming back next week wow, to, um, house. to our house wow. to film. Uh, I've been on Ellen's Game of Games, uh, <laughs> which was just a few weeks ago. And we've been featured on a bunch of stuff, um, like on national television, which is insane. And actually international too. We've, we've been featured in Italy and in Asia. And it's just so wild. And I, I think a lot of that was Every, you know, I was making a lot, poking a lot of fun at parents and, and kids during the pandemic, being, you know, having to homeschool. And it was something in that moment that everybody could relate to, despite whatever your family makeup is, whatever the dynamic is, um, yeah. people just found them really entertaining. And, and uh, I don't know, things just kind of, you know, took off. E even uh, George, George Takai uh, from Star Trek, uh <laughs> ended up uh reposting one of my uh tiktoks i'm like oh my gosh How like cool is that? Made wait it. a minute now that i think about it there was somebody else that was so random to me that had reposted who was that um, was um that person from 90210 was that oh yeah tori spelling <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I, it's a horrible that i would forget her name but i that that was a fun that was interesting too so it's like this is this is totally unexpected to you yeah, look, I am a single father here in Brooklyn and, you know, just doing 
I'm doing what we're all trying to do to survive. And, you know, now we're, I feel like there's like been some beautiful light at the end of this tunnel. Uh, I think a lot of us are starting to uh, come back to some sense of normalcy. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's so what did your, really what wild. did your life look pre-pandemic? What did your um, life look then? Yeah. I mean, pre-pandemic, it was just always busy. Uh, you what know, did you do for, what do you do for a living normally, you know, like so your job I, job? I, yeah. I mean, I'm a wedding planner. So typically I will have anywhere from 15 to 20 events a year. Um, and, you know, all of that stopped. And so, you know, I had to move 15 weddings from, you know, 2020 to 2021, some of them now to 2022. Um, and some there, I have some cup, I have some weddings that I've moved three, four times because, you know, when this thing first hit in March of 2020, I'll, in the very beginning, we're like, oh, let's just move it to August. We'll no be fine. Problem. Yeah, no problem. Let's, let's move it to the fall. We'll be fine. <laughs> right. Like, it's been so wild. So pre-pandemic, I mean, you know, I had I had an au pair, uh, which was fantastic. Um, that was really easy for me to it, it made things a lot easier for me as a as a parent. But then when the pandemic hit, our au pair actually had to leave the country before they closed the borders there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was left all by myself to raise uh, these kids like on my own. We had I had help for two months. You're like, uh, I'm on my one... own on my own. Ah. Yeah. So it was like legitimate in the last 14 months. I've spent 12 of those months uh, just me and the kiddos. Wow. So you're trying to tell me, I mean, did you even have a TikTok before the pandemic? No, I had, I had opened up an account and I had probably put like some little montage Christmas video um, there. There was somebody who told me to, oh, Jose, you should get, I used to be a video editor before I was a wedding planner many years ago. And so gotcha. when I, when I saw the advantage of this platform, being able to edit home videos yes. for you kind of naturally, I thought, all right, oh well, yeah, maybe this could be fun. Um, uh, and it was a guy who, a friend of mine, a good friend of mine, Philip, he was the one that encouraged me to get on TikTok. I'm like, dude, I'm not 18. Like I'm 44 <laughs> years old. I'm 45 now. But I was like, I'm 44 years old. I'm not going to get on TikTok and, you know, roll with the kids. And, uh, but yeah, the pandemic hit. And I said, I am going to roll with the kids and uh, show them, show them what like some of the old folks can do. <laughs> so, yeah, right. See, so now I'm interested in finding, I, I have, I know a lot of stuff about you, but I don't know this. So now I'm interested. Yeah. Tell me about the first one that blew up because I have a memory yeah. of my sister. My sister has, um, She's done a lot of performing in LA. She's done her own type of thing. But one day she did a TikTok with her um, soon to be official grandmother. She's right now they're not married yet. And that TikTok with the grandmother just exploded. And I remember being on the phone with her and her calling me in that day. And it was just hilarious. Tell us about the day when you had your first one just kind of go. Yeah. Uh, so remember? it was what, yeah, I do. It was, I definitely do. It was one of the ones related to the pandemic and what it was, was me open, uh, having my laptop open and it was about, you know, what's everybody talking about? Of course you can work and multitask and raise your kids. And I'm typing away to, you know, my clients and my daughter is massaging my hair, my oh. scalp. <laughs> And she's like, you know, combing my hair and then, but I'm being a little bit bossy about it. I'm like, 
you know, can you massage the top, please, as I'm <laughs> typing away? And she's not getting the top. And I was like, no, this is the top up here. Thank you. That's so much better. Like she's now your I, little you secretary know, or something. She, <laughs> she was amazing. And, she, and, and her reaction was like really natural. It was like really authentic. Like it wasn't, nothing was staged, Yeah. you know, from, from her point of view, right? I just thought this would be really fun to record as I'm working and she's actually massaging my head. And so that ended up hitting, uh, it's at, two, it's over 2 million um, views now, but, oh but it, had hit, it went viral by hitting a million. And so that, that was really the launch of, and that might've been, that was probably the only, the second or third TikTok I had ever done. And wow. so it was that one that went viral. And then I've had, uh, I've had 10 videos. Uh, we, we've done over 200 videos um, in the past year. And we've had 10 videos hit um, a million plus. We have one at 3 million right now. Isn't that interesting? That's just, it blows your mind, right? You're like, okay, yeah. it's partly because people are bored, but also they clearly resonated with what you were doing. I mean, there's absolutely no doubt about it because we were all locked in here doing the same type of stuff. <laughs> Look, I think I think people not only found it relatable, but I think people needed to laugh. Yes. Right? And so, you know, for me, it's, it, it, it was always been, it's, it was interesting because, you know, the viewers, the, the, the followers found our family, they just kept wanting to follow. But the reality is it, to me, it surprised me because yes. I, I am a, a single gay father. Yeah. Um, I am Latin X and, but that's, that was sort of the beauty of what happened over the course of the year is that I have like quarter of a million followers now and a lot of it, and I would say 85% are not LGBTQ. They are not Latinx. Um, they are just other parents that are just trying to get through. Um, and so, yeah, it's like, you would think that most of my followers fit under that category of, you know, one of, you know, being LGBTQ or Latinx, but the reality is most of my followers are not at all. So and that yeah, is it's crazy. And it's a beautiful thing because I'm sure that it it entered your mind on many types of occasions throughout your life is, you know, you want to be able to bring people together. You want to be able to be a voice for people to um to be able to have to be inclusive and all that. And then when something like yeah. this happens in such an authentic way, you're just saying yeah. it's like a gift. You're like, what? This just happened, you know? It's really quite yeah. awesome. Yeah, I mean, I, I think really what just ended up happening is that other people saw that my family is not any different from theirs, except, yes. you know, we might be a little bit more colorful. <laughs> <laughs> and and which, which makes it more fun. <laughs> which makes it more fun. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that you also, you do keep it really real with your three kids because there is that authentic, yeah. close relationship that you guys have and that you've developed. And that's not something that you can create. You know, I have watched... Yeah some um, Instagrams and TikToks that um, seem unauthentic and it comes through. And, yeah. um, and, and your parenting journey is, is incredibly unique. And I want to talk about that, but also just the fact that you have closeness and in, and with each one of your children, how old are you? Tell us about your children. How, how yeah. So my, now? yeah, my son is eight. And then my girls, I imagine by the time this airs, will be uh, seven. They turn seven in a couple of weeks. So they're only, they're only 15 months apart. Wow. Um, yeah. So it's, it's my son, Avery, and then my twin girls, paternal girls, Lila and London, and they could not be, 
you know, they could not be any different at all. You know, London is pure princess unicorn, you know, glitter shoots out of her mouth. Um, then you have, you know, my other daughter, Lila, who will not wear a dress, steals her brother's clothes, wears blue, doesn't want, you know, pretty frilly like, things. She's like, let's throw a soccer ball. And, and then, yeah, my son is, he's, he's like this, whatever you imagine a boy next door type of guy. I mean, he's just like, a, he's like the balance of the family. I always feel like, you know, uh, Lila, London is the princess. Lila is the entertainer. And then Avery is the balance. Now, does he hold that older brother, uh, card like does he realize he's the older brother and he's older than them and kind of hold that card high yeah he I don't know if he holds it high but he is aware that he's the older brother and he is you know I try to teach him that you know as the older brother it is partly his responsibility to you know look after his sisters but I also I you know because they're so close in age I also make that a responsibility for the girls too. I yeah. want them to be, I want them to be, there be for responsible for, yeah. for Avery and uh, make sure they're, they're sticking up for each other. I'd wondered about that being so close in age, because sometimes even if twins are a couple minutes apart, they'll be like, and I'm the older one, you know? <laughs> so I didn't really know, you know, I was wondering with him, if they just kind of all play together or if he's kind of like, guys, I'm the older yeah. one here. Yeah. Listen, I think that, um, that that's something that was really, I have to say that that's something that was really wonderful during the pandemic, because for them to be at their ages and being so close together, you know, I, I get this all the time from parents of single children. They say, I don't know how you raise three kids all on your own. And my immediate response to that is like, I don't know how you've been able to do it with one. Mm. And it's not, it's not in any form. It's not in any way to say, it's not like a put down or anything. It's, it's really responding to, I, I, I can't give one person all of me. You know what I mean? Like, you know, when you have one kid, it's like, it's all about, and I'm not taking away how difficult it is to raise three kids, but I'm really for, I feel, I don't feel guilty jumping on my phone for a little bit, being on right. social media. I don't feel guilty taking a longer shower. I don't feel guilty, you know, laying in bed a little extra because they have each other to they play have with, each other. right? Yeah. And, yeah. and then on the, and then on the other side of that, I'm also grateful that my three kids don't have large age gaps, right? Because could you, I mean, during the pandemic, first of all, during the pandemic, I'm grateful that they were not newborns and 15 months and under, I would not have survived that. I'm very, very clear on that. We would not be speaking right now. We would have never met. Um, Probably would have never done then, a TikTok. That's for dang sure. I would have never done a TikTok. Absolutely <laughs> not. Um, the, the people would have done a TikTok on us. I'm sure we would have been somehow in the background. You would have been in the background like, what's wrong with that family right there? Yeah. Basically like, yeah, we would have been part of it. We would have gone down the the what not to do parenting TikToks for people. <laughs> um, and, th and then, but with the age gaps being so huge, um, you know, those are different parenting communication styles that you have to have, right? You can't speak to a two-year-old the same way you would with a seven-year-old, the same way you would with a 13-year-old. Um, but Cher, what about you? Like you're, you, you, you have that, what we're talking about. There's a, there's a significant gap between, I think, 
you're older too. You have a 12, 13 year old. Is that right? Yeah. Um, I can't imagine I, I, until you just talked to me just now, I can't really imagine having them that close together. So you brought some benefits that I never thought about because I have my two that are older now they're adults, 23, 21. And then I have an eight year gap about, and I have uh, one that just turned 13. So, um, so there's benefits to all, all types. I mean, I think that all families sure. just kind of blend into what they have and then make it work and think, well, I couldn't imagine anything else. Right. So, <laughs> right. yeah, because I was a little um, tripping out when, when we had decided on purpose to have a child that much later, uh, many times I thought, oh, it's going to be so much different for her. She's not going to have the benefit of having a sister to play with and what are we going to do? And, um, but then now that she's, a little older and she is kind of on her own. We got her a little lap dog. She has the cutest nice. little doggy that keeps her company. And honestly, she kind of loves being by herself. I mean, she's one of those yeah. where she goes to, if she went to your house, she'd probably be like, it's so loud. Get me out of here. Where is my bedroom where I can have peace and quiet? You know, so um, I'm going to tell your daughter, no, you're staying here. I'm going to your house. <laughs> right. Right. Where it's quiet because she, it's very quiet. Exactly. And, and you, so you get used to what, you know, and she's, I'm like, Hey, this is normal, honey. If we go over to my sister. She, uh, she, she's, she will not be offended by me saying that she, their, their house is loud. They have four yeah. kids, two girls, two boys. They're all loud Oof. talkers. And yes. uh, all but her husband, Jose, who's also named Jose, he's kind of a quiet talker, but he just kind of laughs at all of them, you know, like, oh, yep, that's my family, you know, and she leaves there if she ever goes away. So she comes back and goes, oh, my gosh, I need quiet. <laughs> I'm <just not> used <laughs> to it. Uh, so, um, so yeah, we get used to the families we have, you know, so yeah. I let's dig into a little bit about your parenting journey, because sure. I'm going to ask every father, and you are uh, one of our highlighted fathers. Tell us about the very first time you became a father. What was that like? Oh, my gosh. Um, well, you know, so my husband and I had children through uh, surrogacy, and uh, she was down in Valdosta, Georgia, our surrogate. She was amazing. And um, gosh, well, I have to. Yeah, when they do it a little bit differently down south. <laughs> okay. Our doctor, our doctor was amazing. She, uh, when we realized that the water broke, we actually went down there for an appointment. We weren't even there for the birth yet, right? What? So our our son came a little bit early, and um, and we ended up like. I don't know, like three hours later, we're, we're all done up in our, in our hospital gear. And, uh, both Tim and I were in the room and now I've heard of doctors saying, uh, I've heard of doctors saying you can catch the baby, what? right? Like, yeah. Like put your hand out. I'm going to get the baby <laughs> and you can catch it. Right. That like, seems scary. I mean, it's a little scary, but I, I imagine from catching, it's like, you know, you're not, it's not like you're going to step far, right? We're not mm -hmm. going to get that crazy. Right. But in this case, the doctor said, get in there, take both of your hands oh. and get in there and pull the head out. What? And yeah, 100% true story. And uh, Tim and I both pulled our son's head out. Um, what? I am tripping out right now. 
I know, I know. And um and it was a natural birth, by the way, <laughs> um, on top of it. So um yeah, it, it the, that right away was a bit overwhelming because I wasn't expecting to do that. No. Um, and you know, I, so from that moment, um, you know, one of the things that they tell you is when you're when your baby is born, it's good to take your shirt off and to you know, for a mother as well, right? Um, yes. uh, uh, especially a mom, right? I believe in motherly instinct, right? Something I absolutely do not have. But you know, putting putting their naked heads on your chest, and so that they know that you are the father, that you are the mother, yes. and so. Tim and I did that right away. And uh, I, I, I put Avery's, I took my shirt off. Uh, I was like, damn it. Why didn't I work out harder? I was so <laughs> frustrated. Right. That actually uh, crossed your mind for a minute. It crossed my mind for a minute. Right. I was like, oh, who's going to walk into this room? Can we turn the lights down? No. Um, so my, so our son was like on my chest and it was just such a really beautiful, overwhelming moment. I just couldn't believe that I was like holding my child and um, and then Tim did the same. And I have to tell you, uh, I, you know, the way we did it was we put in two um, blastocytes, right? So we put in uh, one sperm from my ends, one sperm from Tim's uh, into an egg, and then we put one, one of each. And so we thought, we don't know, that's going to be that some people do, like the gender surprise for us, it was like, we have no idea whose biological child it's going to be. When Avery came out, it was very clear clear to me that he was Tim's biological child because our egg donor is my complexion, which is I'm, I'm tan. Uh, you know, I've, I've got you know um, the and our egg donor is the same color as me, and a, and Tim is very white, and Avery came out very white. So for me, it was very clear that he was not biologically white. Um, and I have to tell you that I initially had feelings around it. I was like, man, you know, I grew up as an only child. Um, I lost my parents many years ago and Tim's both parents still around. And he grew up at one of five. I'm like, damn it. Like you got really lucky. And I had feelings around it until like, I thought, will I not be able to bond with him the way I imagined I would as a result of being his biological child. And this went on for about maybe a month. I had a couple conversations with people that had similar experiences. And, you know, I had one friend, Katie, who said, don't worry, I promise you, it's going to change. It's going to, something's going to click for you. And I remember being up in the room, we had a place out in Beacon here in New York City. And uh, that, that's another thing. I don't think we mentioned that in the beginning. I'm in, I'm in New York city in Brooklyn. And so we had a place upstate in beacon. And I remember changing Avery and it was just this moment, the way that he looked at me, mm. uh, like he was just, I'll never forget it. I'm getting a little emotional now because the way that he looked up at me was like, he felt so safe and he he just felt so comforted and like he didn't want to leave that moment and that space and time of being this little tiny baby in my arms. I lost it. I started mm -hmm. crying. I'm like, oh my God. And that was the moment for me You're that like, it clicked. My, my child. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I'm like, this is my son. This is my son. And, you know, and we, to this day, you know, we have a very, very special bond. Yeah. 
and yeah. you had no way of knowing what the future would hold and how very, very special it would actually be. Um, yeah. Tell us how you became a single father. Yes. Yeah, so I became a single father. Uh, you know, so, you know, Avery was only two months old. And I remember Tim coming out of the bedroom with Avery in, you know, in his arms. And he, I remember him going, babe, you know what I'm thinking? I'm like, pizza or Chinese? What are we going to roll up with for dinner? And he's like, I think we should have another. And I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I know. And I was the one that was like home most of the time and, and, you know, uh, getting up late. That was sort of, you know, it, I, I was like, what? And I was the one that always wanted children. And Tim actually did not when we first met. So you're he, like, he shocker, actually, plot twist. Shock, sh- shocker. Um, he realized that he absolutely, I mean, he loved being a father. And in some ways I think it was, he was, you know, better at it because he for him all his senses were heightened where for me it was like well this is what I always wanted to do you know um so so we went for it and we knew this time that we were gonna have we we were gonna have these this baby be biologically mine because we it was clear and like this time I was like you are gonna stay out of this one Tim we're not gonna (laughs) we are not gonna battle this we're not even taking that chance (laughs) we are not taking that chance um and then we we flew down to Valdosta, Georgia, and found out at the ten week mark that it was twins. Oh my gosh! At, and then the following week, uh, Tim went away on a business trip, and when Avery was eight months old and we were eleven weeks pregnant with the twins, my husband unexpectedly passed away. Wow! And yeah, and it was a it was a heart attack. It was in his sleep. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it, as you can imagine, and I was at a, I remember being at a, I mean, I was at an event when I got the call and I, mm. it was just so wild and so crazy. I hadn't heard from him and I was really worried. Uh, and yeah, I got the call. And so, you know, to be all of a sudden, not only am I grieving, uh, but now I'm left with the decision whether or not I'm going to follow through the pregnancy because at 12 weeks, you can no longer make that decision. Right. And so, you know, I was very clear that I was going to abort because I thought I, who, who the hell am I to raise three kids on my own? Right. I, financially, it's not going to work. Like it's not, it's just going to, it's just not going to happen. The first thing through your mind was all the things of how, all the ways it couldn't happen were the first things that rolled through your mind. For sure. For sure. And I went through so many things. I was like, you know, well, I was like, oh, well, maybe what if I terminate one, you know, and keep, keep one, like that came into mind. And I remember having the conversation with the doctor about it. And he said, well, it is a possibility, but just know that you run into the risk of losing both during Mm -hmm. that procedure. So I was like, damn it. And so I was like, you know, well, what if I adopt them out? you know, when, when, when they arrive, maybe that's what I'll do. So it was the sixth day, which was the deadline. It was the day that I had to make a decision. It happened to be Tim's funeral service. And I remember getting up, it was dark. Uh, I was sitting at the edge of the bed and I thought, you know, Avery just lost his father. And I thought, what if something were to happen to me? I, I did not want to leave him alone in this world. 
And so I made the decision right then and there that I'm going to follow through. And I announced uh, while giving my husband's eulogy in a church full of 400 people uh, that we were pregnant. Nobody knew we were pregnant. So um, wow. yeah. Um, and, and that's just, you know, and I, I have to say like, you know, I would not judge anybody who would have made a different decision, uh, but I absolutely without question made the best decision because, uh, you know, here we are seven years later striving and thriving and I could not even imagine, you know, any other scenario, which I think a lot of parents feel that way, but I, um, no, you know, it's a I different mean, my level my, of gratefulness, it's a different level oh, of, you know, yeah. of, of appreciation. It sounds like, yeah. I mean, just the idea that these girls who I am like obsessed with right now, Lila and London, that they would not have existed, yeah. you know, that, 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 that possibility was like that they would not be out in this world giving their full selves to it. It's just, yeah. So I'm, wow. I'm eternally grateful. Yeah. And I mean, to think that it took a few days and, and the re partly the reason why is because you had a lot to wrap your mind around. I mean, you're already wrapping yeah. your mind around so much that your mind is in a state of kind of like paralysis. You know, when I speak, yeah. when I talk to children and adults in those first weeks after a death, um, it's almost like I'm talking, I, I almost venture to say like a zombie, you know, like they're not mm -hmm. in, they're not, they're just kind of there, but not there. And yeah. I cannot imagine somebody having to make such a, a, a decision. And I'm thinking if you didn't have that magical moment and you made a different decision, you yeah. probably forever would have been like, I wasn't in my right mind. What was I thinking? You know? So it's just absolutely amazing that you had that moment and made that change and you have your beautiful girls. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's beautiful. Yeah. And it just proves that you know, we do have to search our heart, you know, parenting is a hard thing and it's a challenging thing, but it's also a wonderful, beautiful journey. And when, when parents are considering having a child, we need to be able to share that like you are right now, because I don't think enough yeah. people, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I just don't think enough people in this world, they usually kind of like joking, uh, parenting and oh my gosh, what have I done? And your life is over. No, <laughs> in some ways your life is just beginning. I get that. I get the jokey side, but, but I, I want to be able to spread that to people to say, you know, from a, a father to a mother, to anyone that yeah. parenting is beautiful. You know, what are some of the things that you love about parenting? It is, you know, I, I, I'm going to answer that. But one of the things I do, I do want to say is, you know, what the gift that parenting gave me is that it, as a result of being a parent, it actually really helps me through the grieving of losing my husband oh, yeah. because, because I wake up, I woke up in the morning and I'm bawling my eyes out because I just lost my husband. But guess what? I got five minutes to wipe those tears away because the reason I woke up to begin with is because I had a baby crying in a crib. Yeah. Right. And so, yep. so for me, that was like about, you know, healthy distractions from grieving and they were my healthy distraction. And, you know, one day I will sit them down and let my, all three of my kids know that they saved me. Like they, they saved me. I would have made very unhealthy, uh, decisions after losing my husband that oh, could have been very like yeah. detrimental um so you know even that alone 
just that alone was worth becoming a parent, mm -hmm. uh, you know, so they, they kept me busy and they, they kept me distracted. Um, I'd say the thing that I love the most about parenting, to be honest, like as a father, I grew up as an only child. And so I, and my parents were strict. And so I didn't really go out a lot with my friends or anything like that. So I think the thing that I find most fascinating and rewarding <laughs> is a sibling dynamic. I, I just, I find it so fascinating. I think I look at it like it's a case study. Um, you know, it's, I, even when they're fighting and on the inside, I'm like, yeah, this is so cool. Right. How they're um, working this out. What's going on now? And when they, when one gangs up on the other and then two gang up on one and, and, but just the way that they play with each other, this one's my best friend today. This one's not my best friend today. Um, you know, um, all their different personalities and how they make it work together. Like that's the part about parenting. I actually find fun. Um, uh, is just the sibling dynamic. It's just, it was, it's been foreign to me for 38 years. And then I, well, I maybe 39, I can't even remember how old I was when the girls were fun, but, <laughs> um, I would say my first 40 years, right. Cause until they started really getting their personalities right. and seeing that dynamic. Um, yeah. so yeah, I spent 40 years on the planet, uh, not getting the sibling dynamic and here I am. And it's like, I love it. Yeah. It's almost like you're seeing something for the very, very first time. And totally not everybody gets that because, you know, if they weren't an only child, if they're, if, if they were around lots of kids, it's familiar to them and their subconscious because they've been through it before. And you're like, what is this? What is this dynamics? <laughs> yeah. Now I, I could, I could definitely do away with like being interrupted every single, like every five minutes. <laughs> and, you know, it's like, I, I don't remember the last time I took a full on leisurely shower papa, papa, papa. while my kids are in the house without being interrupted. Right. It's like, <laughs> and they, they wait, they, they, these kids know they wait for, right. I know, I know everybody I listening right that. now can relate to this. Yes. It's like how, and, and if you lock that door, it doesn't matter. You're going to hear a knock or a bang or like, you know, through the door, mom, yeah. any, <laughs> any other important, any important thing. You know, something that yeah. really matters. Uh, I, we identify with this daily, you know, like this is yeah. the time you chose. Really? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But uh, again, wouldn't change it. No, not at all. And, 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 and then you kind of make humor out of it. And that's where we get, you know, that's, that's where we get those ideas. I'm sure you get your ideas for your TikToks out of the crazy things that actually happen, right? <laughs> Oh yeah. I mean, every, um, I'd say probably almost every single, almost every TikTok I I've done, it's been because it's just, it's, it's something that, you know, it, yeah, it's something that's really happened in, in my life for sure. You're like, okay, that's TikTok worthy. That was too much. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Are you trying yeah. to tell me, I actually saw one of yours recently where you said that, uh, the, the, um, cereal fell on you. It, did that really happen? Come on. No, that, well, Come no, on. That, no, but listen, that didn't happen. I didn't actually, you know, slip oh, on exactly. a little, yeah. di on a dinosaur and have a bunch of cinnamon toast crunch fall into my mouth. But, you know, I have, you know, when the kids go to bed and I'm feeling, you know, I'm an emotional eater. So like the box is staring at me when I'm on a diet and yeah. I'm like, you know, all, all of a sudden the box is gone and the kids are like, mad at me the next morning because they don't know where it is so yeah all it takes it, is it, one and then you're like we're done 
<laughs> exactly. But if I document that version of it, that's right. not going to be interesting for no, people, right? <laughs> no, you got to put the cinematography into it. Yes. I exactly. Totally exactly. Yes. Yeah. Right. So when we're talking about the whole parenting experience, and that's great, but you mentioned yeah. that you're an only child. You also yeah. came from a strict family. So yeah. I know that a lot of families I work with, a lot of family, I would say that um, uh, many of them that come from Latinx community, they deal with a lot of trying to come to terms with the way that they were raised as yeah. opposed to how they want to raise their own kids. And yeah. I'm finding that there's, especially in your community, there's a big gap between the way that parents are trying to raise their kids and the way that they were raised. And I thought you could That's really right. talk to us on that, uh, on that note, because um, you and I have talked about that actually in the past. So what For do you sure. think about that dynamics? Well, you know, it's, it's your timing of that question is really awesome and interesting. You know, um, I, I don't even know how to share this without not sounding like I'm bragging or something, but we're, you know, we're going to be on the cover of a magazine called Parents Latina. Like most what? parents know, mo yeah, most parents know Parents Magazine, uh, but this is Parents Latina. It's their sister magazine. And they're labeling me as the modern Latin dad. And so in that interview uh, in the magazine, we talk about this. And I think one of the things that you, you know, when you grow up in a Latin community, especially as a boy, you're taught that you have to be a man, you have to be a certain way, you have to work, you, ha you have to talk a certain way. Um, my father was a firefighter, a Marine. Um, he also, he's a, he was a Marine turned firefighter, turned into a drug addict and a drug oh. dealer. So, oh. um, hello. Yeah. But with that, uh, you know, there was just a lot of focus on what being a man is. And that really, you know, a lot of that comes in, in the form of yelling. A quote perhaps. unquote man, uh, right? Yeah. And, and look, and, and old school, old school, you know, back in the day in Puerto Rico, I mean, you got your, and I think in a lot, in a lot of cultures, you got your ass beat whenever you, you talked out of line. And mm -hmm. my, my household was physically, it was very abusive on almost, almost every level, not sex, not sexually abusive, but everything else is checked off. And, um, my kids were, my parents were also kids. I mean, they had me at 16, right? So, you know, wow. I, I can't even, I can't even, I would have a, I would have a 27 year old right now if I like, if I was my parents, which is right. insane to me. Um, so there is some, I see things differently now, but there's some immaturity that was also there. Yeah. But the, the, the gap that we're talking about here is I am as a Latin man, I am teaching my kids how to be vulnerable. I am teaching my kids to talk about their feelings. I'm teaching them that there's a different way of expressing their frustration. Um, you know, we obviously didn't have time out chairs growing up. Uh, we, um, you know, my father never talked about his feelings. My father didn't say, I love you. I mean, I, I, maybe there's like, on one hand, I could count how many times you've said, I, I love you. Moms in the Latin community is the complete opposite. They're just, they smother you and they love you and they feed you and they want you to get fat and, you know, all of that. Right. And so they, they were different in that way. But I think, I think that's something that is a, this generation, this uh, of, of Latin ex fathers, 
that's the cycle we're breaking, but that is a really difficult cycle. I will be really honest here and say that when my kids do something that really pisses me off, my go-to in my mind, my instinct is to be physical with them. Like my, I like, I, it's just, it, it's like in me. It's like, I, I want to like spank them. I want to like, Oh, I want to like, Oh, you know, it's your subconscious really because that's your, it, it's, it's in your memory. Yeah. Totally. Right. That's sort of my automatic go-to. And I have to say to this day, you know, I have spanked my kids probably once or twice each and, you know, nothing, nothing above the, you know, the waist it's been, you know, right in the butt. But what I go to is, you know, I'm really proud of myself to be able to break the cycle, to not have been physical with my kids. And Mm -hmm. with the exception of those, like three times, three, four times um, to, you know, be able to communicate with them, communicate my frustration and do it in a way that is effective. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to say the one thing that I have to work on as a, the one cycle I feel like I have not broken yet is the yelling. I'm a yeller. Um, I, I, it's just, it, it, I grew up in a loud family around the holidays. We're loud. Like we're just loud. So if I'm frustrated, I'm not, I'm certainly not going to go low um and and so that's something that i'm actually working on i'm actually taking a workshop uh coming up uh on how how to not have to yell at your children when they get frustrated right um and so i'm looking you would never have heard that in 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 a in our parents would have never said mira listen i'm gonna take this workshop because i can't stop you know (laughs) fucking yelling at my kids nope 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 no yeah um so yeah, I mean, I think I think this generation, we are, we're changing the game. And mm-hmm. I think that it's going to be a pretty beautiful, you know, without all of our children collectively. And I think this comes across all cultures, right? I think that, you know, I think a lot of our, a, a lot of us experience some of what I've, I've described. Um, but I really think that it's not our generation, but our children I really feel like that's going to be the generation that has been able to really break cycles of cycles um, to benefit of abuse. from the work that we're doing. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. That's a perfect way of saying it. Yeah. They're going to benefit from the work that we're doing. Yeah. Because it is hard work to break a cycle. And when this generation does that hard work and it seems so count, it seems so opposite of their natural yeah. instinct, what we, what you're saying and what I believe as well is that we need to remember that our kids won't even have that memory. So when they right. grow up, they're not going to have that instinct that they need to break because we chose to break that. Um, exactly. Whatever cycle that might be that we choose to break. And in your community, it's, it's, uh, it, it can be an, a more obvious, but I think like you said, it's in every family, there's changes that, that people are making, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We just got to, we just got to look, we just got to do the best that we can. It's cliche. Um, Although, you know, I have to tell you that comment does bother me sometimes when people say my mom, she did the best that she can. My dad, he did the best that he can. I was like, (laughs) my dad did not do the best that he can. He definitely could have done better. You know, my mom could have left his ass a long time ago. She could have done better. (laughs) You're like, really Um, though? Really? Really? (laughs) Yeah. But they, but they did what they could, but did, did they often, did they sometimes do the, you know, did they do the best that they could? I don't think that's always the case with a lot of our parents. I think sometimes right. we, you know, we give them too much. Credit. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think we need to be real. I mean, we don't need to be living as a victim 
And that's where, you know, and I think that's where the acceptance comes into play. You know, we do need to have a level of acceptance that doesn't turn into hate and bitterness and all that kind of stuff, because that's also not good for our heart. And so I like to kind of look at it like if they would have known better, I'd like to believe they would have done better, but they must not, they must've been in a state of not knowing better youngness, you know, what they were brought up like and so on and so forth. Um, you're reminding me of a situation that happened with me in my counseling uh, at work right this week, actually. Mm-hmm. And there's a father that uh, I've known about this situation all year long. And what happened was right before school started, um, this father had kids that were brought to him from Mexico. Why? Because their mother had passed away mm-hmm. and they had broken up earlier. She was living in Mexico with her kids. He was living here with his um, new girlfriend, with his new child. And things were going quite, you know, okay. You know, he called them now and then, but they weren't able to travel, obviously. Well, she got sick. She passed away and the kids were brought to him. And at the beginning of the year, he was very hesitant to talk to us about it. As a matter of fact, he kind of told us to stay out of it. He kind of said, oh my gosh. you know, he kind of was like, we got this, you know, mm-hmm. and it was his sister that came and said, these boys need help. You need to get him counseling. They're all over the place. They're so upset. And the boys followed suit in saying, uh-uh, I'm not going to talk to this white girl. No way. Not with an interpreter, not with nothing. They looked at me wow. like, you mm-hmm. got to be kidding me, you know? So uh-huh. um, there was silence, but then this week the father came and he came into the office and said, I need some help. Can I please talk to the counselor? And I Mm. had someone come in as the interpreter and he spoke and he, and the humbleness he said, and what he said was something you just said. He said, I want to be a better father than what my father was. And I don't know any other way except for to ask for help. And I'm Mm. looking at him. He has dried cement all over his hands from the hard work that he did that day from being a laborer. And, and, and uh, he said in construction, he had just gotten off work and rushed over there to talk to me because he doesn't know how to help his two sons that are now grieving the loss of their mother and also telling him how much they hate him because they don't mm. understand, you know, they're in a, a, a unfamiliar environment. And in that scenario, the, the mom used to threaten the boys regularly with, if you're not good, I'm sending you to your dad. So they don't uh, have, uh. they don't have a relationship with their dad. And they look at their dad as someone that would have been a punishment. So mm. um, he's in a spot, but the reason I bring this up is because, wow, what it took in him and his eyes at one point began to well up with tears and he let them fall and what it took for a man to do that in his culture. When I saw such a different man months ago, it just, it, I was proud of him. You know, I wanted, I wanted to tell you, gosh, I'm so proud of you right now, but um, we stayed in that moment, but there's families out there. There's families out there that are listening to us right now that um, need to have strength to be their best self and to be humble like that. Um, What would you say to those families? You know, I would say to those families, I, I think, you know, one of the fortunate things that have come out of me becoming a single father and a widower is that my support system was huge. And, uh, because here's the thing, when you're a two parent household, and I know this, 
um, father was is a now a single father. But when you're a two parent household, nobody offers you help because they assume that you got it because there's two of you. But you don't because it's still a shit show, no matter which way you slice it. Parenting is still hard. And what happens is a lot of parents will not receive help because, or request the help because they don't want people to see the ugly sides of themselves. They don't want, they don't want to let people in to see like what a mess it is, right? I'd say you got to let that go and you have to let people help, you know, there, there's a reason why my support system ends up being bigger than two parent households. And I think that that's, that's the reason why. And I think that people, when people say to you, you know, let me know if you need anything, smile and hand them that to-do list that's in your pocket, you know, and, 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 and receive the help. And if people aren't offering help, request the help. And people always, people do love to help people. It makes themselves feel better. It makes Mm -hmm. me feel better when I help other people. So, Mm -hmm. you know, make sure that you are out there and, and, and building your support system that is outside of your own home. And I think when you have that, then it allows you to breathe a little bit and to have you in a better state when there are those tough moments where your kids are driving you crazy and they're like, you know, harassing you in the shower or, you know, really serious situations, you know, it just allows you, it gives you the the capacity to be a little bit more patient and, and to parent a little bit better. Right. And everything that I'm saying is easier said than done, but that is the biggest advice I give to all parents that are becoming new parents receive the help, request the help always, all the time. Yeah. And easier said than done is exactly what I was thinking as well, because it, um, it becomes a pride issue. It becomes an issue of, of, they feel like they're less of a person because they're reaching out and the issue of our business is our business. You know, a lot of families were raised that way and, um, and it becomes something to where it's actually a sign of strength to ask for help. For sure. You know, and that's, Absolutely. that's the shift that needs to happen in our mind um, to be able to say, no, we need to break the stigma of counseling, coaching, uh, just f- friends down the street that might offer help. And your automatic reaction is I got it. Um, yeah. We need to break that stigma in order for us to break some of those cycles. Right. That's right. Yeah, for sure. Well, yeah. I, yeah. And, and it takes time. It takes time. It takes practice. Mm-hmm. It sure does. Yeah. And, uh, and I think that, you know, there still is something about also just now and then finding the humor in it and finding other people like you that can just break it a little bit, you know, because it can get heavy, <laughs> but then again, you know, life is messy, but we, we need to find others that we can identify with, even if they're completely different. Like you and I identify with each other on the strange, on the strangest level, but we're really yeah. nothing like each other. That's what life's all about. Right. So I, right. I just love that. I know that <laughs> you and I, um, are came together. And at this point we host a room together that's in clubhouse. Anybody that happens to be in clubhouse, you can find us on uh, Tuesdays, uh, with your club, which is called what? LGBTQ plus families. Yes. So you can find us there. We both host a room about how to raise confident kids because, um, we both share in that desire to help others come together 
in a platform they can feel comfortable. And if that's not where you're at, you know, find your people, find the people that you can identify with, that you can talk to, that you can open up to. It'll make a world of difference. And, uh, and I hope that many people, um, come find your material, but also maybe go to your website nycgaydad.com. That's it. All right. And that's, that's what it is across all platforms. So amazing. Thank you. But let's not forget about Jose Rolone events. Look at how great. Did I just do that one? That was good. Jose Rolone. So no, no. You say it first. Jose Rolone. Rolone. Oh, that Rolone. was better. You did, you, you Jose did it. No, Rolone. you did it. I did. Yes. Oh my gosh. I think I might learn Spanish next. The thing I'm trying to do for the last 10 years. <laughs> I work Let's not with, get carried away. Sharon. Look, Let's not I get have carried 90% away. of the people that I work with are Spanish speaking. I work at a dual immersion school. All right. So what that means uh. is the kids learn Spanish from, uh, do you know what a dual immersion school is? I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they learn Spanish before in a way that they learn English. All of their education is in Spanish. And then they, they started a hundred percent Spanish, even if they're English speaking. And then they, uh, throughout the years they add it. And so by the end of, uh, elementary, the idea is that they're totally bilingual, right? Written and everything Beautiful. else. Beautiful. This is the school I work in and I don't speak Spanish. So, uh, not cool, <laughs> not cool. All right. <laughs> it's a shame. Shame of oh. it. But anyway, Jose Rolone. Rolone. Yes. <laughs> okay. Anyways, enough of our, uh, we're, we're just having too much fun. Thank you for being here. Have a blast tomorrow with your, inter- is it tomorrow that your interview is happening? Uh, on, Monday. on Monday. On Monday. Oh my gosh. So by the time this is aired, that would have already happened. Have yep. fun with your kids. You guys have got to see these three kiddos. And thank you. Last thing. Any last word that you have for parents today in the world they have to live in, the changing world, if you had a bunch of parents that are in front of you face-to-face and you had something you wanted to tell them that would help their life, what would that be? Don't take yourself too seriously. You know, remember, remember there's, you know, I, I, I think one thing I realized in this past year is like, I used to be silly as a kid. And I forgot how to be silly. And we have to have moments where it's okay to be silly and act like a fool. And it, it gets us through. I think it's those moments having a bit of a sense of humor and not take ourselves seriously. Remember what it was like to just be uninhibited. Um, is, it can be really, uh, really refreshing. And I encourage everybody to try it. I do too. That's great. So that's going to be my call to you guys this week. Every single week on the podcast, we have a solution-focused, inspired activity that I have people do. Now, this isn't exactly solution-focused, but we're going to say it is. Your call is to find a way to be silly with your kids. Find a way to have fun. Find something that makes you laugh and just have a blast. It's it, it will it will lighten the mood and make your week a lot smoother. So thank you again, Jose, for being with us. Thank you, Cher. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right, guys, be honest. Now you completely understand why I gave you full permission to share this episode on any platform you would like. Send it in an email. When Jose talked about how his kids saved his life when he was going through the grieving process and he needed to take care of them and show up for them. Oh, my heart went out. 
Feel free to share this to parents you know that are going through a hard time and need to look at their kids as their saving grace. And I look forward to next week with you guys when we interview another amazing father. And until next time, keep in touch and take care.